someone were to walk in when they leave that practice or they finish watching you play, they need to have an exact idea of what you're about. They need to know what your identity is. That winning comes from the hard work that goes in that nobody sees and the ups and downs and the hard things your teams have to go through. You know, when nobody's around, that's, that's what creates winners. No matter how much we win or how much we lose, my expectations of myself and our program will always remain the same. Winning will never change my expectations, nor will losing. You know, I think when you can own the mistakes you make to your players, I think your players will have a lot more buy-in for you. Fellas, fellas, fellas! Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We just want to welcome back all of our veteran listeners that's been queuing in with us for the last couple of weeks. Uh, We welcome you guys back, and we also want to welcome the rookies, the guys that are just here for the first time. Every veteran was once a rookie, and uh, we welcome you to the team. On this episode, we sit down with Jason Crawford, head baseball coach at Cottonwood High School in Salt Lake City. Cottonwood is a historic high school, consistently ranking top five schools in the state. This is Crawford's eighth year as head coach, and his team is the defending 5A state champ. Under Crawford's leadership, the Colts are 135 and 66 with only one tie. During Crawford's career at Colorado Mesa, he earned All-American honors as a senior. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Jason Crawford. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're sitting down with Jason Crawford, head coach at Cottonwood High School. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much. Yeah, well, Jason, you know, big reason we wanted to have you on is uh, one thing that I've always been really impressed with at Cottonwood is every time I've gone there, I just really impressed with your guys' culture um, and also, too, what's been built there. And I know that's it's took a village. Um, and we, you know, we're just so impressed with uh, the things that you've done over there and the coaches before you've done over there and, and the culture that's been created. And so we thought you'd be a great, someone with great value that I think provide, provide to our listeners, uh, just some insight and in how you guys created that and how you keep that going. And, um, you know, just dive into some culture over there at Cottonwood. You know, it's, it's a day-to-day thing. We, we work on it daily with our players, with our parents, with our administration, our coaches, you know, 2014, we had you know, really good team. Um, the culture was, was okay. And it was one of those years where we probably should have done better than, than what we did. And, you know, I, I, as a, the person leading our program was like, man, I got to change the culture. And so it's funny that this is what we're talking about from 2015 on, you know, our, our culture and our program has completely changed and, and the way I've gone about it and the direction in which, you know, we try and go on a daily basis to change all of our practice plans. To change the 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 idea of what we were trying to do on a daily basis, how our coaches interacted with players, with parents, everything. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about it. It's just something we work on daily, and so uh, let's get into it. That's awesome, Coach. One thing we like to do here at the farm system is kind of find the why behind people's passions. Um, considering that, why do you coach? I coach because it's the most valuable thing in a young man's life at this point. You know, the kids at Cottonwood. 
they go to Cottonwood to play baseball. Obviously, education is is in the forefront of that, but they come to Cottonwood to play baseball, and I'm super appreciative to be a part of that. I I completely understand that, you know, my role is sometimes as a, as a father in some of these young men's lives. Sometimes it's as a friend, a mentor, um, and as a coach. But I definitely, on a daily basis, don't take anything for granted because I know that I lead by example. Every little thing that I do is, is something that they, they take on to. They're, they're a bunch of sponges. Um, I don't do it for accolades. I don't do it for, you know, to be on talk shows, to talk at clinics. I, I, I do it for none of those reasons other than, you know, to give back to the game what the game has given me. My, my whole life is shaped because of what baseball did for me. Uh, my work ethic, my, my, my wife, I met my wife because of baseball. All my friends are because of baseball, and I just feel like it's the least I could do to try and repay in some little way that I can the, the game um, and teach our players the what I believe is the right way to go about it. So, so what you're saying, Jason, is you don't do it for that fat paycheck you get for being a high school baseball coach, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so, um, you know what? You know, everybody always talks about culture, but I wanted to start more basic of you know, what is culture? And then, you know, why do you think it's important to a team's success? Well, culture is the backbone of what your program is based upon. You know, we talk about it all the time where if, if someone were to come in that didn't know anything about your school and they had never heard anything about, you know, what you were, they didn't know if you were good or if you were bad. Um, we talk about it all the time. The fact that if someone were to walk in when they leave that practice or they finish watching you play, they need to have an exact idea of what you're about. They need to know what your identity is from top to bottom, you know, whether it's it's work ethic, integrity, um, belief, ownership, uh, effort. You know, all those things are exuded through a daily practice. They're exuded through game approach. And, um, you know, just by watching people in there and what they're trying to do on a daily basis. I think if if we challenge our players just on a daily basis and our coaches to make sure that we're, we're leading uh, from top to bottom and making sure that we're getting after it. So, Coach, you touched on – um, baseball kind of being your calling, you feel like you need to get back to the game. Considering that, why high school? What do you like so much about the high school level? Well, I, you're dealing with, with players that are between you know 14 and and 18, so there's a huge there's a huge emotional gap between a 14 year old and an 18 year old. You know, an incoming freshman and the and a senior that's about to graduate. You know, when you when you have when you I've coached at the college level, and when you have you know, incoming college freshmen, they're kind of already established in their beliefs. And, and sometimes, you know, that buy-in factor can, can be unique. And, and at the high school level, it can as well. But I, I just feel like, you know, if you do things right, and then even at the college level, but I just enjoy the high school level because it's more, not that it's more pure, but that's how I feel it is. You know, students are a little more um, susceptible to being coached and, and wanting to learn and wanting to have that buy-in. You know, they're, they're still challenging their own ideas and beliefs and, and growing as a young man. But you know, I, I love the fact that we're establishing something that's so early in their lives that hopefully will repay them as they go to college and as, as they move on as young men and become fathers and husbands. And uh, hopefully they can hold on to something that we were able to give them. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, definitely something to agree at the high school level. They're so impressionable at this age, and you're kind of forming them of who they're going to be as a man for the rest of their life. So it is a big time for that. You know, Cottonwood definitely has a tradition of winning and almost now has an expert, you know, an expectation uh, to produce. How do you take that expectation and translate it into something positive to feed your players and to motivate them? You know, there, there was a 
a person that stopped me the other day because you know we won the state championship last year and we got off to a good start this year with a young team and someone had mentioned man there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and honestly i don't i i don't look at it as pressure i i, I take it as something that we're just going to take it and run with it because that's what you want you want the target on your back you know we want we want to accept that and we want our players to know that on a daily basis you have to bring it and if you don't you're going to get beat and so the expectation is not necessarily one of pressure but there there is a great expectation to be good students be good people in our community first and if you do those things then hopefully the, the good side of baseball will happen and so far at this point in the season it has but we don't we don't approach anything with pressure you know we we approach it day to day and we understand that on a daily basis you can get you know um humbled and so every day we're just trying to prove not only to the rest of the state but you know ourselves that we belong to be, you know, hopefully one of the top five programs in the state day in and day out. For sure. And I mean, a lot of that history dates back, you know, Cottonwood's a storied program, rich uh, winning tradition. And you were lucky enough to be there and coach under one of the best to do it in Utah high school baseball, coach John Hoover. How did that experience and mentorship help you get to this point in your coaching career? Man, I I feel like I'm so lucky because I actually, I I got into it with, with John Hoover and, and Steve Cramblett and Shu Nelson and Joe Sato. All those guys were, were huge components and um, gave me so much information when I first got into coaching. I, I went on a lot of road trips with those guys. and But directly coaching under Coach Hoover was was invaluable. You know, he's still a man that I call daily. He's like a father figure to me. And so when I when we talk about culture and being somebody that can be a father figure to these kids, that's what John Hoover is to me. You know, so it's a, it's a man that, that I love and cherish, and he's done so much for the game, not only for Cottonwood baseball, but for the game. You know, he coached for 35 years, left a huge legacy, and, you know, it was hard. It was hard. I was a first-year coach, and I didn't really know. I thought I knew. I had an ego and thought I knew what I was you – know, I thought I was doing was right. And it took me a few years to figure it out that, you know, I needed to be humbled, and, you know, that culture has to be reestablished because, you know, I can't be John Hoover, and that's one of the biggest things I had to learn is I had to be myself. And, mm-hmm. and run with run with a program that was already really good. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But, you know, we've kind of reestablished our own identity and the style of baseball that I want to that I want to play. And once we, once I was able to come to the terms of saying, you know, I have to be my own best coach and not try and live up to somebody else's expectations. That's when things kind of really start to take off. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, like you kind of lead me to the next question I had for you is I know there's always those moments throughout the year um, that are like real indicators of who you are as a team and what you represent, you know, so what moments so far this year, I know it's still pretty early, but what moments so far this year, have you got that thought of, you know, this is who we are and this is who I want to be. Um, you know, this is what I, I want our team to represent. What you, have you had any moments this year that reminded you of that? You know, this year we've, we've had a couple of close games where, you know, teams have really, you know, we've, we've been in a complete dogfight. We're still creating our identity. You know, our, our lineup is changing. We just played in a tough series this week, and uh, we didn't have the same lineup in any of those three games. Our lineup has changed probably every single game, and that drives me crazy. I hate it. I love consistency. It's something that I'm all about. You know, I try and tell our players that they know what they're going to get from me. You know, with my emotions and the way I lead. But definitely, our lineup has has changed every game, and, and that's one of two things. You know, that's our kids continuing to push each other to fight for jobs. Or that's just, you know, us still trying to learn and figure out who we are. We're at, we're at the halfway point, so we need to kind of solidify our lineup and get it going. But, you know, our team is, is solid. They play good baseball for the most part. 
we have good pitching. So I like where we're at. We just got to kind of fine tune a couple things and really try and get our lineup figured out. Yeah, well, I have no doubt you'll get it rolling here soon. You touched on it a little bit ago about your experience at the college level. I mean, obviously there's challenges in coaching at every level of baseball. What are the biggest challenges when it comes to coaching at the high school level? Biggest challenge at the high school level, man. You know, the fact that you're dealing with young men, even though you, you the other guys talk about young teams and, you know, our veteran teams, that the fact of being able to repeat an effort on a daily basis, I think is one of the most challenging things. You're dealing with a lot of different emotions. You know, parents are still really involved in, you know, their their kids' lives, which they should be, you know, so sometimes the emotions and, and on a daily basis, you don't know what you're going to get from players. But I think repeating an effort is probably the hardest thing to get because, you know, there's just so many external factors that, that go into being, you know, a high school baseball coach. So once we can get figured out what, you know, each kid is and, and get an understanding of who they are, we got to make sure we communicate with them on a daily basis and make sure they know what's expected from them. And as long as they know that, then I think it's easier to move forward with whatever decision you have to make. For sure. I mean, I think kind of building off that touching on the parents, how do you work to really separate some of that politicalness that happens at some of these other schools in the state of Utah? I feel like I'm pretty fortunate. I, I know every, whether you win or lose, you, you're going to deal with parent issues. You know, I mean, I, I've obviously dealt with my fair share over the years. And they're hard because you're you're trying to make decisions that are based on what's best for your program. But you also have to make decisions that are what's based on what's best for that kid. And so sometimes blood is thicker than water. That's something I learned early. You know, there's a, you got to make sure you communicate. I think communication is the biggest thing. And, you know, parents are always going to aid them or, you know, go for their son's side. And I'm always going to go with what I believe is what's best for our program. And, you know, at the end of the day, whatever decision I have to make, I'm going to do what's best for our program and what I can defend. And that's something I talk to our players about is, you know, any decision you have to make, can you defend it? And mm-hmm. as long as you can lay your head down at night and, and feel comfortable and de- being able to defend that decision, then, you know, it's probably the right one. And that's something I tell our parents quite a bit. And I have an open door policy. I'm not hard to talk to. At least I don't feel like I am. But if there's a parent that has a problem with me, they can definitely come and talk to me, but they have to have their son with them. I will not have a meeting over the phone. I will not have a meeting without their son. You know, if their son's there, then we can talk about it. Otherwise, that conversation won't happen. And I feel like that's been a big stepping stone in our program. You know, where parents don't say like the small things that they wouldn't say in front of their son. You know, when their son's there to hold them accountable, I think the conversation goes much better. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. So what would you say when you're building a culture, what, in your opinion, what are some absolutes, you know, some things that you absolutely need to have um, when you're intentionally growing a culture? Some of the absolutes you have to have, Definitely, you know, from the top, you need to have a direction from your coaching staff. You know, your coaching staff has to have complete buy-in as well. You can't have guys going behind the players saying, you know, I don't believe with what Crawford is doing or, you know, the backbiting. Your coaching staff and the head coach, you have to have complete rapport. And the show, it has to show through to your players that everybody's completely on the same page because when you have three to six coaches that are doing different things and, you know, teaching different things behind the scenes, I think that's that's a huge problem just in general and i'm super fortunate i feel like our coaches were all in on it we're all in it together and on the same page you know once you can establish that you know I, there's there's got to be some core values in your program you know, for us it's grades you know getting to class on time it's being to practice on time you know the very first day of the fall we talked about winning the 90 
And, you know, to every program, they don't have their own standards. But I told them that, you know, if, if I can trust that you're going to win the hard 90 on a ground ball or a pop-up, the fact that you're going to give a complete effort on a 90, you know, a hard 90, I feel like they can give an effort on anything else that comes their way in the season. Because that's the time when most players want to shut it down. And if we can have players that want to, you know, step it up when everybody else is shutting it down, then that means that they're willing to go and do the little extra. And, you know, to me, that's that's one of the biggest things. And that's something I talked to our players about two weeks ago, you know, is, is your effort. You completely control your effort. Everything you decide to do, every decision you make is all effort-based. And if you can control your effort, you have a chance to be pretty good in this game, you know, and as, and as a student. So um, those would be my my things. But like I said also earlier, you know, if someone were to come in and watch you practice, they would need to know what the expectations are and, and what your values are as far as what they can see. Is it effort? Is it, you know, is it swearing? Is it expectation? Is it coaching each other on the side? Is it holding each other accountable, making them toe the line? Because to me, that's what a great teammate and a great friend is. It's somebody that's going to hold you accountable when you don't want to be held accountable. You know, the more players that can coach and do things on the side, it takes stress off the coaching staff to have to be so involved. And then the buy-in's even greater because you don't have to listen to coaches talk so much. Mm-hmm. But I think those are all big things in, in when it comes to creating a culture. Coach, I think you're considered by many as, as one of the best hitting guys around in the state of Utah. It seems like you're always producing guys that can kind of swing it there at Cottonwood. Can you kind of touch on your hitting philosophy that you try to instill in your guys? Sure. Our hitting philosophy is, is nothing different than probably anybody else's. You know, we we talk about uh, the, first, the first three in and at bat. We want our players to be aggressive early in counts offensively you know we want them looking to to hit early because we don't want you know it also depends on the on the the arm that's throwing but if it's an average high school arm we're going to be on the hunt you know we're Mm -hmm. looking for pitches that we want to hit you know that we're going to get and we're we're getting after it you know we don't want long at bats we want unless it's a, a power arm then we're trying to extend pitch count but um we talk a ton about count leverage you know, about winning pitches because, you know, to me, the 0-0 and the 1-1 counts are crucial because if you can win the 0-0, it goes to 1-0. If you win the 1-1, it goes to 2-1 instead of 1-2. You know, mm-hmm. your chances of putting a good swing on something completely change if you can win the 1-1 pitch, you know, spit on that close pitch and, and get that count leverage. It completely changes everything. So we talk, we talk at length, you know, about making sure that our players are ready to hit. They're on time. You know, we do a lot with swing mechanics, you know, but we we typically do that in December. We don't really hit in the fall. We do all team defense stuff in the fall, but in the, in the winter when we're stuck inside, that's when we do all of our swing mechanics. And hopefully when they when come out in the spring, they're ready to rock, they're on balance and ready to be super offensive. I hate defensive swings. You know, if, if our players are taking defensive swings and hitters counts, I really try not to say much to them, but that's when they'll hear something from me. You know, I, I'm a huge believer in being offensive. And I love to drive the baseball. We don't play a ton of small ball at Cottonwood. We we kind of look to play more for big innings, and that's just our style. Some people agree with it. Some people don't, but that's who we are. We try and score a lot of runs, and, and we, we for the most part, we've had the athletes to be able to do that. It's changed from year to year. You know, sometimes we have more home run type guys, or sometimes we have more team speed. It just depends on the personnel we have. But our players do a really good job buying in. Um, they, they believe in our hitting style, and, and they do a great job. And, you know, I try and give them some freedom, too. I remember when I was young as a coach, I, I was I remember one day specifically looking at our lineup saying, man, they all look so good. They look they look like me, like everything I want them to be. They were a bunch of robots. And I remember the day, 20 minutes later in that day, I'm like, gosh, I'm, I got so far to go in this game. 
because they all look the same. That's not unique to who they are. They're not being themselves within my style. So that's another thing we challenge our players to do is be themselves within Cottonwood's style of baseball. You know, that way they can still be free with their mind and still compete, but just do it within our style. Yeah, I love that you you touched on that too, because I was going to ask you that is obviously I know as a coach, um, you know, we have to be pretty adaptable in the situation of the athletes that we had, like you talked about, you know, some years, you know, me and Bo, we talked about this, you know, there's certain years that me and him played together or, you know, we had some guys that can drive the ball over the fence consistently. So maybe we pop out a little bit more that year, but that's because, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to drive the ball over the fence. We know that some of those pop-ups are going to lead to home runs. Um, but also too, we know some years, you know, we got smaller guys, maybe we got a younger class. You got a lot of freshmen or, you know, like over at Brighton right now, they got a lot of young guys. Maybe we don't, we don't have as much pop or, uh, we got to play kind of a different style. That's going to make us, um, you know, just successful that for that year. How do you go about, is, is it individual conversations or is it, um, how do you go about with each player within your philosophy? Like you said, how do you go about each individual guy saying, Hey, you know what? You, you got a little bit more pop this year. You know, you could drive the ball, um, a little bit more in the air or, um, you know, you know, Hey, you're really fast. And do you go around having individual conversations? Is it in your guys's BP every single day? Um, how do you make it more individualized? Like you were saying. Well, in the month of December, we, like I said, we, we stay inside quite a bit. And those are the times when we're able to really talk to our players. We do, we do four on ones. Um, kind of like, you know, I, I got that idea from when I was in college, you know, we don't like, so we don't hit in the fall. So we do all of our hitting in December, January, February. So we put our group, our players in the groups of four of like type player. So player A is, you know, a base hit, you know, we talk about staying in your lane too. So maybe he's a type A guy, like he's just got to stay in his lane. He's a drag bunt type guy. You know, we put all those guys grouped together. And then, you know, a lane B guy would be for us is a guy that can maybe have some gap to gap power, some line drive power. Those guys all hit together. And then you have your, your third group because we do it in three groups. You know, your third group is more of your, your power guy. So, you know, every single day when we hit, we talk to that group and say, okay, hey, you're one of the guys that's going to be this type of player. You know, we need you to have buy-in to being this type of player so you can fit in with within our philosophy. But also, we're super fortunate at Conwood to have players that just work their tail off, you know, outside of practice hours. So when they do that, you know, our coaches stick around. We we have great conversations, not only just because we're just communicating with them as ba- as people, but we're talking to them as baseball players. We just sit down and, and we talk and we, we go over who they are and what we think they can be and what they can do better. And our players aren't afraid to ask us what they're doing wrong or what they're doing right. And so we've we're very fortunate to have a lot of really good conversations with our players. And I think that sets them up for success. So they know what, what the expectation is. I wanted to dig into that a little bit more. So you said two things that interested me when you do your four on ones, is it just four players to one coach? Is it individual sessions? Is that what that is? Or is it, how does that work? So we have three tunnels in our indoor facility. So we'll make sure we have three coaches. So four players to each coach. So in each session, you'd have 12 players, you know, and, the, and those 12 players stay with that coach for that week. So, you know, for week one, if we're working all upper body and hand path or something, they stay with that coach and that philosophy. Then week two, if we're working lower half only, you know, they would rotate tunnels and go to the other coach and they work with that coach for, for an entire week. So it's just those four players and we hit for an hour. So whatever our philosophy is that day and what we're trying to get better at, that coach can work with those four players for that hour and just get after it. The players can ask more questions. They can, you know, you have more time to talk to them because then you're not trying to hustle through and get through 35 guys in BP. You know, we do a lot of T stuff throughout that time. It's all fundamental based. And it's, it's, it's huge for us. I feel like it's one of the 
the best part of what we do at Cottonwood is, is that session right there. Cause that's when I feel like we, we really close the gap. I hope we score runs in the fall, but it's not an emphasis for us. So I just know that whatever we can do in the fall, I know for a fact we're going to be able to do better in the spring because the, the gap that we close in December is huge. So our players, like I said, they do a great job buying into what our, our offensive philosophy is. Well, so it's, that's a lot like a college schedule too, like kind of like an individual sessions. I love that. And so also with that, what you saying, so basically throughout the whole fall, do you guys even hit BP or is that all individual? Like if they want to go hit with hit in the cages or is that just basically on them during the fall? Yeah. In the fall, we might throw BP the very first week, the first week of school when we come back, um, we'll throw in BP just so they can get it seen, get seen it again. But when we, you know, we treat our, our, our fall just like our spring, except for the lack of, of hitting. So everything we do is team-based, defense-based, indie-based. It's all defense-based, base running, pitching, you know, all that stuff. Because that's, that's what we're trying to hammer when we're putting our team together, trying to figure out who we are. But, yeah, all their, all their offensive swings are on their own. So if they want swings, they've got to stay after practice and do it on their own. You know, I, I like it that way because it kind of gives them a little more desire and, and it kind of achieves a, a work ethic mentality to say, man, if I want to hit, I've got to stay late and get after it. And so, you know, it's fun to watch our players just completely bury themselves during practice. You know, I'm pretty hard on them in the fall. We run quite a bit, you know, to see them gassed and then they pick themselves off the floor and then they go get extra late work, you know, after practice. I think it's a good starting point to create that extra work ethic that will hopefully carry it over for the entire year. For sure, and, and you're kind of preparing them for that college schedule because that sounds a lot like what we did down there at Utah Valley. I don't know if you and Eric are good buddies down there, but that sounds a lot like that schedule. I think that's great preparation. For Eric, he was my coach when I was a freshman in college. So did you? Yeah, I don't know what I don't. We Eric and I have never spoken, you know, about his. Pre- I, I've talked to him since he's been to Utah Valley, but great coach. Kind of touching on that offensive production year in and year out. How has the addition of former big leaguer Chris Shelton helped elevate your program uh, holistically? Chris is unreal. I mean, Chris has been part of our staff or part of my staff from my very first year. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to have him. We both have gotten better. You know, we, we, we make each other better. We're, we're not afraid to call each other out on things. You know, we're not afraid to challenge each other. We talk about baseball constantly, but Chris is just amazing. I mean, Somehow I was ever, you know, able to get a college job, he would be the first guy I would call. I mean, he is an unbelievable coach. Like, he gets it on a different level. Uh, our, our players are super fortunate. I know I'm I'm ecstatic. Every year he he comes back, I'm just so thankful because he does everything right. You know, he's committed to our players. He's He holds them accountable. You know, he's always there for me personally, you know, when I need things. But more on top of that, he's, he's a, he runs a great offense for us. As far as being our third base coach, I have no. A lot of people always ask me, "Man, why don't you coach third?" It's like because I trust I trust my coaching staff. I'm not afraid to, you know, give them a responsibility and let them run with it. I mean, I trust Chris completely. He does an amazing job. But on top of that, we have the same hitting philosophy. You know, he works with our infielders and he works with our catchers. You know, with our last two catchers have been Division One guys. You know, we sent one to Utah Valley and he played. He was a four-year starter and then. After that, after that player graduated, we had another three-year starter that just is a freshman at Utah. So the last two catcher, catching guys we've had, you know, have been Division One athletes. And Chris does an amazing job with with every every responsibility I give him within our program. You know, I, I feel like he's a college coach in a high school program. So we're all, myself and our players are are super lucky and fortunate to have him. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely a great mind and a great resource to have around you too to bounce things off of. So I'm sure that's great. What do you think too, you know, I, I, I know that there's probably certain absolutes in, within your culture that you try to instill every single year, but do you have some things in your culture that, um, you know, maybe are just for that particular team? Is it kind of different from year to year with different players, you know, different personalities coming in and out or how would you describe that? We do have the same, we have the same beliefs. Like we have the same team rules. We have the same, you know, expectations. We have the same you know, processes that we use. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge process over outcome type guy. I mean, I'm a believer in it. You know, like I kind of stated before, in, in 2014, I feel like I lost our team just because I was too hard on them. Uh, I changed everything about who I was as a coach in 2015. And, you know, I've kind of backed off. And, you know, I'm not so, I don't know the right word, but I'm not so hard on our players. I, I give them a little freedom to, to make mistakes and I'm not burying them for everything they do. But, you know, from team to team, each team gets its own little bit of freedom. You know, I'm, I'm harder on this year's team more than I was last year's team just for the simple fact that we are younger. You know, and our players have made comments about it to me, like, man, you don't treat us the same as you did last year. And I said, well, last year we had 11 seniors. If I coached every single team the same, you know, and, ex- and expected the same result, that would be pretty naive of me. And so it's something I try and communicate with our team, you know, that, each year, there's a different set of players. Players, even if even though they're in our program already, they've grown up another year, so their maturity level has changed. No matter what, each team has a different personality, and so my responsibility is to figure out what that what that personality is, and make adjustments to coach that personality within our systems. And as long as we can do that, you know, then we, we should be pretty successful. For sure, kind of building off that, I remember you mentioning how you changed everything, even down to your practice plans. Uh, what does a day of practice look like there at Cottonwood? We start, we practice. So when I first got into coaching, man, sometimes we'd practice for four hours and it's just too much. So basically a typical day of our practice, we do a two hour practice. We completely get after it. You know, we used to run a ton. Um, our practices now are super high paced. There's no transition time. Like it's, you're sprinting from one thing to another. So what my, my idea behind practice is, hopefully they're getting after it enough in practice to where we don't even have to waste time conditioning. Our pitchers have to run on top of that. That's just a part of it. But as far as position player goes, you know, if you're getting after it and you're doing what you're supposed to do, you should never have to do conditioning after the fact. But uh, we do a run, stretch, throw. I'm a huge catch play guy. I believe in catch play. I believe in watching other teams come in the field and, and I watch them play catch. I, I typically can have a pretty good feel of what we're in for that day if I don't know who that, that program is, you know, just off of their catch play. So, you know, our coaches stay out and we, we watch our players play catch. We make sure they're doing things the way we feel is the right way you know then each day there's there's probably two to three team defense type things whether it's pop-up priorities or cuts and relays or you know whatever different things we want to do for the day then we'll end with uh, either a mass fungal session or an indie session that's a daily thing for us we also do dailies after we play catch where they do they have three rotations that they work through as far as the infielders and the outfielders go um, and then we finish with hitting, you know, and hitting's an hour long for us. You know, that's one of those values that we have. We, we really believe a lot in, in, in our offensive approach and scoring runs. So we do some team defense, some indie defense, and then we hit. And while we hit, we do five rotations and those, those rotations vary, but there's always a live, there's always, you know, uh, a tunnel group working on something different in the tunnel with a coach. Then there's bunting, base running or live. You know, base running meaning, you know, taking live reads off the bat with a coach. 
you know, sitting at that base, you know, working on zero outs, one outs, two outs. There's always a situation there. Going on contact at third, seeing the ball through. You know, there's those little things you you can't really replicate otherwise. And then um, there's a live defense and then a, a shag group. Those those are huge things for us. So we try and get all that done in two hours. So from 2.30 to 4.30, we try and just absolutely get after it, get as many things in as we can. And then from 4.30 to 5.30 is when our pitchers do their, their pitchers work. Yeah, so you guys you guys are moving then because I know you, yeah we know BP take you know can take a long time you know gets a lot of reps to get in so what would you say too when you guys are doing your um, what do your rounds look like I'm interested in your guys's rounds is it you know do you guys do gap to gaps or you know how how do you progress through that process because you sound like a big process guy what does that process of BP start with you know you said in the in the tunnel and then coming out onto the field what is what does that process look like. That's a good question because one of the things I always ask our players is what's our offensive philosophy, not swing mechanic wise, but like what are we looking to do, and and how is that created? Like if we if we don't just sit down and have a meeting over it, how would you know what our offensive philosophy is? And you know, if they don't know that answer, then you know it's completely based off of what our BP is. Typically, we don't give them gap to gap rounds unless it's a game day. If it's a practice day, everything is situationally based. Everything is a focus. Everything is, has an intent behind it. If they want to have gap-to-gap swings, they need to stay late and work on it after practice. You know, because during practice, when we're taking our BP rounds, that's when we're establishing who we are and establishing our offensive philosophy. So our BP rounds on game day are completely different than our BP rounds in practice sessions. And I wish that I could tell you that there's only one way we hit during practice, but, you know, typically off of what I see from from what our game swings are, I'll completely change everything from, from day to day. So... Monday, beginning Monday after playing, you know, we just played, finished our series with Jordan. Uh, I have a pretty good idea what I want to do tomorrow with our practice. You know, it might be different after we play Timview next week. You know, it just depends on the week of, of what we did during that week and what things we need to get better. But game day rounds, the very first round is all situationally based. And after that, we just give them a bunch of gap to gap swings. Practice rounds, everything is you know, five oppo grounds, five middle line drives, five, you know, hit and runs, five move them, five score them, five score infield back, five score infield in. And then we do something new this year. Those are just an idea, but we do something that I really like this year that's different than I've ever done. I was at Colorado Mesa at the very beginning of our season. That's, that's where I played. And the same coach is still there. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, you know, we've always ended, you know, our BP rounds with, regardless whether it's a game day or not, with the line drive round. And and he was talking about it. He was like, man, we got to come up with something better that's, you know, that doesn't end with a fail, you know, to end your day. Like you could have just this amazing day and you could bang all BP, but on your line drive around to be able to get out of the tunnel, you're ending on a fail. And he's like, there's got to be a better way to, to go about that. And so we start chatting about it. I was like, man, I couldn't agree with you more. I never even thought about it that way. So what we came up with is something called a competitive round. So that's how we finish our, our rounds now is um, you get, four swings to put two quality swings on the baseball. So if your first two swings, you just hammer a ball in the gap and they're, they're what we're looking for. You get out after two swings, but we're giving you four swings to get those two quality swings in. So hopefully it just builds on the fact of our players feeling good on their final round rather, rather than ending on a fail, we're trying to end on a success. So I think that's had a lot of value because our players get super competitive doing it. The first guy in the round goes two for two and the next guy's like, you know, man, now I got to go two for two. And I think it raises the bar and, and competition within your players in that hitting group, making them want to lock it in for that final round. Yeah, no, I love it. 
What would you say too, now that, you know, with, with the high school athlete, what do you think is your biggest hurdle with their mentality? Entitlement is a big word. You know, I think entitlement, it's a, it's a hard thing, you know, when they feel like they come in and say, well, I've worked hard and I deserve this or, you know, entitlement. The, the word deserve to me is, is a really touchy one. When a player comes in and says deserves something to me, like I, I have a hard time even letting them finish. You know, whatever they were planning on saying, because it's, nobody deserves anything. You know, hard work and, and buying in and doing those things gives you an opportunity to hopefully get playing time and, and doing what you should. But entitlement's a big thing, and we try and blue-collar it out of our players. I'm, I'm a worker. I've worked for everything I've ever gotten in my life. I've never been given anything, and I want our players to leave feeling the exact same way. You know, at the end of every day, I want them to feel like they've worked and they've they've earned, you know, what, what hopefully happens and hopefully we have a ton of success and we can continue to win. Um, but that, that winning comes from the hard work that goes in that nobody sees and the ups and downs and the hard things your teams have to go through. You know, when nobody's around, that, that's what creates winners. Nobody knows what a team goes through and how hard it is or, or, you know, there's never just an easy season. And so when those teams can really completely buy into okay, I'm, I'm going to give everything I can for the betterment of the team. That's, that's what separates, you know, the top five programs year in and year out from the other ones, in my opinion. I like that. I remember coming up in the, the Utah Baseball Academy and playing for some of those travel teams that you coached, and I really loved the way you went about it and how you created culture, even though it was just a travel team. Um, obviously, looking back, that was kind of a long time ago now. What is something that you've recently learned or something new that you're trying to implement in your program there at Cottonwood? Wow, good question. I, I I know for a fact that on a daily basis I try and connect with our players, and I know this sounds small, and I I think everybody's in a different place in their coaching world or where they're at in that place. But I remember I was just a complete toe the line type guy, and this is what it is, and there's no gray area, no matter what the situation is. And I think that set me up for for a lot of failure. After that 2014 season, like I keep addressing, we 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 use this thing called the team process index. It's not something new, but I think it's something that we use yearly that's new to our players that come into the program. But uh, we use a process index of of measurements that we're trying to work through each game. And so if if you reach those those numbers and those goals throughout that game, uh, then you have a chance of winning. So we have a standard of points or, or values that we have to achieve throughout a game for us to win. And when we reach those goals, we're pretty much undefeated. And when we don't reach those goals, it's when we lose. So at the end of the day, when we, when we meet, we quickly go over those things. And it, it's, a, it's a measuring stick for not only the players, but it's a measuring stick for the coaches. You know, if we beat a team and I'm unhappy with, with what I saw, but then on that measurement paper, that process index, it, it states that we achieved every goal, then I need to shut up and just give our team a good job because it's a, it's a process. It's, every, it's right in front of both of us, the team and us, because it's something we have buy-in to. And when we can both see it and it's in front of us, then it's 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 a measurement for both of us. They they know that they need to get better things, or I know that I need to shut up, bite my tongue, and tell them great job. So I feel like that's something all coaches can do is you know to have something in place that the team can see, and that that we can all have a um, a common goal, and have an expectation. I think that's huge. So uh, throughout your coaching career, you know I'm I'm sure that you've had moments where your culture is it gets tested you know if it's an individual player or if it's a parent or if it's you know administration or another coach or etc where that culture is being threatened 
Um, what was one of those situations and then how did you handle it? One of the situations I probably keep to myself, but what I will tell you is that no matter how much we win or how much we lose, my expectations of myself and our program will always remain the same. Winning will never change my expectations, nor will losing. You know, they'll, those two things will help guide those expectations, maybe change or, or mold them. But just because we won last year doesn't mean, and you know, we won a lot a couple years prior to that. But I will never let winning soften me up to a point where my expectations soften on our players. You know, if anything, it, it makes me want to toe the line even more and hold them a little more accountable to the little things because they're going to want to take a step back and say, yeah, we've already got this or we've got, you know, we're, we're the defending state champs or you know, whatever excuse they want to make. You know, I, I, I will not let winning change our culture or our expectation level on a daily basis. It's not going to soften me up. It's not going to soften them up. Like I said, you know, our team challenged me this year to say I was a little tougher on them, um, but it's because we need it. We need to be a little bit tougher because I, I, I can tell you this much. I, after tasting what it's like to win a state championship, I don't want to walk away from it this next coming year and, and knowing what that felt like and have to be the team that loses. So, you know, it's something I share with our team constantly. You know, we want to be the team that wins again. You know, obviously winning back-to-back state titles is, you know, a whole new challenge. But it's something that we're striving to get. And, you know, on a daily basis, we're, we're challenging ourselves. You know, Coach, listening to you talk, you've, you've referenced your younger days. And it's apparent that you've matured into a successful coach over the course of your career. What advice would you give to younger coaches just getting into it? Don't be afraid to ask for help don't have such a big ego that, you know, it gets in the way of, of who you are. And I felt like I thought I, I knew everything when I got into it. And I was, like I said, I was around great coaches and I listened to those guys, but you know, you walk away sometimes kind of naively thinking, man, I've got this figured out. And then, you know, the season ends and you realize real quickly that you don't. And so I would challenge each coach and I challenge myself every year to reflect and write down and, and say the things that I didn't do well and, and own them. And, you know, I think when you can own mistakes you make to your players so they know that, you know, you are human, you can make mistakes and you don't deflect them and you just say, hey, that was my fault. I, you know, I'll take ownership of that. I think your players will have a lot more buy-in for you. And that's something I, I think I struggled with as a young coach too was, you know, I was always deflecting things because I didn't ever want to be wrong. I always felt like I had ego and had to prove to our players that I knew what was right. But now I'm past that point. I feel like once once you can play both sides, just like a player would have to, I feel like the rapport within your team and how much they, they believe in you completely changes. So I would, I would strongly suggest to any young coach to make sure that he just kind of stays in the middle and is willing to own his mistakes to, in front of his team. And also, you know, when the team loses, own those things because we didn't do a good enough job preparing our team. The fact that we're all in it together. And then the wins – the wins are because the team did what they were supposed to. You just stay out of their way and let them take the, the glory in that. But you take all the ownership and the losses because you didn't do a good enough job getting your team ready to go. Love it. So one thing that I love that you kind of talked about that and reflecting, you know, your years after. So and you've referenced multiple times that 2014 season and things that you reflected on um, and it made you change a lot of different things. You know, what are what are some of the three biggest things um, within you that you said, okay, you know, going forward, this is something I, I remember you saying that you reached out for help there um, and what that culture needed to be and how you needed to change yourself. And I remember you talking to me about that a couple of times. 
but can you share with our listeners, you know, three things that you saw within yourself that you're like, okay, this needs to change. I need to change if I want our culture and I want our teams to change. Yeah. Um, number one, I didn't know if our players were having fun playing for me because I was so strict and so just on top of them. You know, I, I'll never forget this this conversation. I was talking to Tim Chambers. He was the the head coach at UNLV um, at that time, and he was just he had no idea what I was going through, and he just said, you know, because they just made a regional, and he was like, I know every one of my players would run through a brick wall for me, and as he stated that or made that comment, I remember thinking to myself, off of this team, who would run through a brick wall for me? And I honestly couldn't come up with one single guy that I I completely would think that would. And so going into that 2015 season, and that's on me, that, the 2014 team's problems were 100% my fault. They weren't the team's fault. They were my fault. And going forward, I, I, I told myself, man, I've, I've got to become more of a coach that our players want to play for. You know, a, a coach that they want, to, they want to run through a brick wall for. They want to do a little bit of extra. They want to stay late and work, and they want to be better players and better people because of the example that I am. So, you know, I changed, I changed the way I go about things. And our entire coaching staff, because our entire coaching staff is still the same. You know, we all had to change. And, you know, and that's, not, that's something I'm not afraid to admit. You know, I, I was making mistakes. But definitely, you know, making sure that you have, like, those measurables. You know, those those were something that was big for me, too. Because then you're not blowing your team up for no reason. I, I, I keep going back to the 2014 season because I remember the day I lost them. I remember we had won 8 nothing through a shutout, you know, completely dominated the team. And I'm blowing them up, and they're looking at me. I'll never forget. And I walked away from that game, going, "We just, I just lost those guys. We're not going to get it done." And we went two and Q after being 19 and six going into the state tournament. And mm-hmm. you know, you got to make sure you keep your players inspired. And I feel like you know we do a lot better job of that now versus the 2014 team because our, you know, myself, you know, I've changed for the better. Hopefully, our players want to play for me and they want to play for our program and represent us the right way. Yeah, I'd say you're, I'd say you're doing a pretty good job there, Croft. Um, <laughs> you you covered a lot of great stuff today. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you about anything we've talked about, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, they can send me an email. My email is Jason Crawford four zero at gmail dot com. Um, I gladly talk about baseball with anybody. Anybody that wants to reach out, I'll I'll gladly do it. I love talking baseball, so it's been fun to have be on the show and have an opportunity to talk. Absolutely. Well, Hey Jason, you know, we appreciate you jumping on. I think you added a lot of value to a lot of different coaches and uh, you're very forthcoming with, you know, some of the mistakes you made and how you overcame them. So we really appreciate you jumping on and being vulnerable with us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Hopefully it can help somebody. And as long as it does that, then it was worth it. Absolutely. Thanks coach. Thank you. Man, Croft Oven, some great things about culture there. Um, some great takeaways, some things we can all apply to our practices. Um, this call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Man, I love Crawford. He's so passionate about the game. He loves impacting the lives of his players. What was your biggest takeaway, Joey? I think the biggest thing is uh, he, him just talking about how he reflected and some changes he needed to take. Um, I also admire big time the ownership that he takes uh, when it comes to his team's losses and the development of his team's culture and the things that he needed to change within himself. It takes a big man to do that and also be vulnerable with other people and admit where he's been wrong and things that he's changed. And I think that's I think the biggest things I pull from him is the leadership side and the things that he does and how he just things within himself. So that's the biggest thing for me. How about you, Bo? I really like that too. 
The biggest thing I liked he talked about was instilling culture in traditionally uh, successful teams. I think that's something that kind of goes overlooked by a lot of coaches is is these teams are good, so they expect to be good every year, but you really have to instill that, that you're not owed anything. And kind of learning how he does that, I, I thought it was really insightful and can help a lot of coaches listening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, guys, um, as always, if you think this episode will really help somebody, the good for somebody to listen to also, too, and any, if any coach has ever played against Crawford, you guys want to know, you know, impressed if you were impressed with his team's culture, just so much like I was. Um, this is a great episode to get the, into the mind of him and, and see how he runs this teams and the adjustments that he made, um, the vulnerability that he has. So, again, share this. Keep showing us some love. Keep retweeting. Keep finding ways to get get our giveaways and uh, get free stuff for you guys. And let's keep developing together. Um, also, to make your guys' way over to our website, thesystem.farm. We got gear on there. We have resources on there. We got a whole bunch of things that you guys get on. If you guys want to jump, start jumping on, um, getting your emails on there. There's gonna be more stuff coming out here in the future. We'll have more on that in the upcoming weeks. But we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And until next time, farm system out. Ah.